for once have I ever heard of a circumstance where a school shooter had three or four pretty girlfriends with him. It's always some can't get laid dude, you know, unhappy with his circumstances, unhappy with his life. And I just think that, you know, if you were to send young men into military service, something physical by force, if they get into any trouble when they're younger, it would make society a much better place. Some You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Tristan Tate, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Yep, I made it. No, I'm glad to be here, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, sorry about the cancellation last time. My life is absolutely hectic. I'm currently holding down the fort in Romania. My brother's gone. My cousin's gone. I'm here all by myself. So, uh, yeah, my schedule's been a bit up and down, but I'm, I'm glad I could make it today, and I'm, I'm happy to talk. Yeah, man, I can imagine how uh, terrible that must be locked in a mansion all by yourself in Romania. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely awful. I've got uh, two girls outside by the swimming pool. Um, literally, I was, uh, let's say, horsing around in, in the pool a little bit. And I, then I saw the uh, tweet. I knew I had an alarm set for this podcast, but you tweeted saying I'm going on with Tristan Tate in 10 minutes. And that was about six minutes ago. So it was action <laughs> stations run into my room, put on some clothes, and, and here I am. So uh, if they walk in at any point, just ignore them, you know, background noise. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. But uh, so, you know, I had your brother on a, a few months ago, and we mm -hmm. talked a lot about your guys' upbringing. But I really wanted to get you on, uh, mainly because your, your career kind of uh, deviated a little bit the way his did. No, absolutely. So – I guess we could get into that, starting off with uh, who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you, uh, the conditions of how you grew up and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, well, my story is always a very, uh, it's a very unique one. Uh, it doesn't seem that interesting to me, but certainly not very many people have my upbringing. You could tell from my accent, I'm part American and part British. I was born in the United States. I left when I was eight years old and moved to London, and I'm now... Uh, coming from poverty, a multimillionaire living in Romania, Bucharest of all places. Uh, and the journey to that uh, was a very strange one. I made a lot of money. People know this unapologetically. I say I, I made money in the adult entertainment industry. Um, my first million dollars was made running webcam models and webcam girls. But me and my brother are primarily known for our, our kickboxing. Uh, we're known as professional fighters. Now, my brother retired voluntarily um, relatively recently. Uh, he may come out of retirement, he may not. I was forced to retire at 28 due to uh, quite a severe car crash. Uh, a taxi driver was uh, driving in one of his hood ornaments, a picture of Jesus Christ of all people, fell to the floor, and he bent down to pick it up and drove straight off a mountain. So damaged my left shoulder. Uh, I do a bit of uh, yoga and all sorts of different exercises to try and keep it in place. I don't want to have the surgery quite yet, but it stopped me from fighting professionally. Uh, which was a blessing and a curse. I mean, it sounds like the guy really wanted Jesus to take the wheel on that one. Man. Well, it, it's, it, it, I just find it very uh, comedic and ironic that it was, it was Jesus who, who fell down and obviously caused him to crash because these taxi drivers, if you go to any Orthodox Christian country from Romania to Greece, they keep these little pictures of Jesus and these little statues in their taxi as good luck. They're supposed to protect you on the road and uh, make you safe. So it was a terrible irony that it was, it was one of those ornaments itself that caused the accident. The, the gentleman in question was, was quite old. He was in intensive care for two weeks after the accident. He punctured his lung. 
Uh, I was okay, damaged shoulder, some cuts and bruises. I've got all sorts of slices on my hand from the glass. I had some cuts on the side of my head, but besides that, I, I, you know, I was relatively lucky and the shoulder injury is all that I, I carry from it. Yeah. So <laughs> involuntarily forced to retire, probably hit you like a ton of bricks when you found that you couldn't fight anymore, right? Well, as the years go by, as with everything, um, with every negative, let's call it a negative setback, there is a positive flip side to it. So certainly at the time, I was training for a European title defense. Um, I was on my way up in the kickboxing world. I just won the, the European championship about six months before. And the fact that my shoulder hurt and I was out of that fight uh, was heartbreaking enough. But it, I came to realize a few months later when I started training myself, uh, obviously for the, for the comeback, that it just wasn't working anymore. But the blessing is, because there is a blessing to almost every curse, the blessing is now that I'm 32, I'm 32 tomorrow. Uh, my brother is, is 34 uh, in December. My brother is wondering whether retirement was the right thing to do. He still has this itch to get back in the ring, uh, this confusion. You know, do you wake up in your bed next to two beautiful women and drive your Lambo all day? Or do you go and start hitting the heavy bag and, and prepare to get back in the ring? It's a, a conflict that may be the only thing in the world that bothers my brother to this day. I don't have that issue. Because I was forced to retire due to injury, it's no longer in the back of my mind, should I be in the ring? Should I be training? Did I give up too soon? Uh, I know that I did the best that I could do. Uh, I won a lot of great fights, and I look back on my kickboxing career with you know, a big smile on my face every time. But going back isn't an option, and I can't do it, which is almost a blessing now that I'm 32 years of age. But when I was 28, it, it bothered me. But now I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy. I, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. So coming from poverty, you know, it seems to be like a common scene with every fighter I've talked to. You know, I had John Fitch on the podcast. Yep. I know him. We talk on Instagram. Every fighter I know uh, has come from some level of poverty. Even, you know, uh, the amateur fighters, they all come yeah. from some level of poverty. And I just wonder if there's a theme there because I came from poverty as well, but I never yeah. got into fighting outside of, you know, boxing in the military and things like that. But um, I just wonder if there's an element to that where it's the one thing you can control that money doesn't mean shit about. Yeah. Uh, with kickboxing gyms, boxing gyms, all of it, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, place to go, really. Uh, rich, poor, black, white, Chinese, gay, all sorts of men in that gym and everybody is ranked by a hierarchy, and the hierarchy has nothing to do with any outside factor. Uh, how good are your hands? How good is your footwork? How, how good is your head movement? That is it. Um, but yeah, a lot of fighters come from poverty. I don't think, actually, it's, I can only speak personally, I don't think it was ever seen by me as a way of escaping uh, poverty, and I don't think it was seen by me as a career that was going to change the outcome of my life, although a lot of the contacts I made during fighting inevitably did, it was a way of directing, um, I guess, anger. It was a way of directing negative uh, feelings I had for the world uh, without turning to crime, uh, without turning into an idiot, assaulting people, breaking into people's houses. Uh, it, was a, it was a positive thing that I could focus on at all times. Um, I mean, it doesn't cost much to go and punch a heavy bag. So uh, as long as you can eat right, you can be a fighter. So it was something that I found an escape in. 
you know, sleeping on a mattress on the floor uh, and it, at many points in my life uh, with barely enough money to feed myself and my brother. You know, going to the gym, it was, it was a, a beautiful experience. And um, yeah, I think a lot of fighters see it as an escape. And those who, let's say, those who embrace it more because of that reason end up becoming the better fighters and rising uh, to the top. I didn't rise quite to the top, but I was certainly on my way up. My brother, of course, dominated the kickboxing world uh, for many years. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just something to do, something positive to do with your time and your life that isn't destructive when you're from a bad neighborhood. Yeah, you know, especially with the anger aspect, I suppose, you're, you're pissed off at your circumstances and you want to hit something. And if you hit people, you're going to end up going to jail and fucking your exactly. life up. So exactly. why not go hit people? when you're allowed to. So yeah, I get that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. Um, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of outlets that people in, in bad neighborhoods, both in the United States and Europe that can take. Um, and a lot of it, as I said, it gets you into trouble. You just said it leads you into crime. It leads you into uh, an early jail sentence. Sometimes it leads you into an early grave if you play your cards wrong. So certainly, um, yeah, it's, it, I encourage anybody, any young man, who doesn't know exactly what he's doing with his life, doesn't know what direction he wants to go in, doesn't see many opportunities. Uh, even if you just go uh, to your local boxing gym or your local martial arts gym and, and learn how to fight and learn how to handle yourself, it's going to give you um, an aura of, of confidence, an aura of, you know, this is a person not to be fucked with. It's going to help you in your everyday life if you're from a poor neighborhood. And you never know, as I said, myself and my brother made some very useful contacts in this sport. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be living in Romania now if I'd never been a professional fighter. So it, it gets you some very useful context that can change your life in unforetold ways. If you were to tell me my first day at the kickboxing gym that because I went there that day, I would one day be living in Bucharest, Romania, I would think you were crazy. But that's the reason I came here in the first place for a fight uh, that a colleague of mine was having. That's how I made all the useful contacts uh, that I made here through the fight shows and through the fight network. So though kickboxing didn't really pay any great sum of money, especially to me, the most I ever got for a fight was three, 4,000 euros, which isn't much for eight weeks, 10 weeks, hard training and hard work. Uh, it, yeah, it did change my life. Uh, absolutely. I'm so, and, I, and I'm so happy that it's something that I still have and I carry around with me. Don't get me wrong. I can't fight professionally, but you know, I can, I can throw a combination. I, I can fight for two or three minutes, which is all you need in the real world. So uh, it, it's, it's uh, very good to have. and I'm very happy that I did it. And it's a part of who I am. Yeah. It, you know, I think, you know, hearing that, and it's almost a cliche hearing that, you know, if you don't know where you're going and you're a young man, go fight because you'll figure out where you're going. Yeah. But for some reason, there's, I think it's the biological in us, you know, you, you said your brother is, has that itch, you know, can I wake up in between, yes. you know, five beautiful naked women every morning and go drive a luxury car all day or can I sacrifice this? I'll go back to living a Spartan lifestyle yeah. where I train and fight and eat and train and fight and eat. There's something in all of us, especially men, that if we don't have our metal tested and we never figure out what the hell we're made of, then we just walk through life lost. And I see it all the time. I see it all the time um, with a lot of men. Uh, I see men who are, who are tall, big guys, my height. And, you know, they have no upper body muscle, no strength, no power. They've got their stomachs hanging out, even though they're skinny. And I just look at them. I think, wow, what a waste. 
of being six foot three, six foot four, however tall this guy is. Um, men who don't test their metal end up a lot more depressed and unhappy later on in life. I mean, basic things. I'm a fighter. Uh, I'm a kickboxer. Women always like that. I always had pretty girlfriends. You know, that's one thing that's going to boost your self-esteem. You know, I've never once have I ever heard of a circumstance where a school shooter had three or four pretty girlfriends with him. It's always some can't get laid dude, you know, unhappy with his circumstances, unhappy with his life. And I just think that, you know, if you were to send young men into military service, something physical by force, if they get into any trouble when they're younger, it would make society a much better place. Some countries are so crazy. There are people in Australia trying to ban the sport of boxing. In uh, Canada, I think uh, professional boxing is actually outlawed. There's no boxing matches in Canada, although the gyms are open. And I just think, wow, these are people who lack on a very basic level to understand uh, what makes young men uh, tick and what makes you know, young men grow into, into, into something greater. And I, th I think it's a terrific outlet and I would highly recommend it to anybody. Um, you know, every time I, I talk about it, you can see the, this glimmer in my eyes. I'm always oh, yeah. smiling. Oh yeah, and it brings back amazing memories. I was broke, I was hungry. Uh, I was, you know, my car was always breaking down. I had no money, but you know, when you put your hand up at the end of those five rounds, there's, there's no feeling like it in the world. And I say that as, as a guy who lives as I do now, there's no feeling quite like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because there really is no other feeling like getting punched in the face either. <laughs> Yeah, true. If you get punched in the face, uh, it, it just awakens something a little animalistic in you. And it's nice yeah. to be able to feed into that. And I think every young man needs that. Yeah. And I think it teaches emotional control as well. Um, when you learn how to get hit in the face, beaten, I mean, you could fight for five, six, seven rounds against someone better than you, uh, hardly land any punches and take, take a good whooping. And after, at the end, you have to shake his hand. It teaches you a lot about the real world. I think this modern narrative of uh, young men need to display their emotions more and they need to cry more and they need to, I think that's a very dangerous thing to say because you know, women break down crying. When men let their emotions go uncontrolled, that's when you get the guys who punch their wives in the face. That's when you get the guys who, who go crazy and stab someone because they looked, looked at them wrong in a bar. Because men have testosterone pumping through our system. If you let men operate with no emotional control, that is one of the most dangerous, I think, teachings of the, of the modern era that I would love to see stamped out. And uh, emotional control and, and physical control, martial arts are an amazing way to, to, to help that grow. Oh, absolutely. Like, I could take you through a tour of my house right now, and you'll see all my teenagers have black eyes where they just beat the shit out of each other. Exactly. That's beautiful. Mainly because, I mean, they're going to fight. They're going to establish a pecking order. They're going to establish a hierarchy. But my only rules are, you know, don't die and no arterial bleeding you yeah, know, exactly. out, out, outside of that, let them fight. And I think not only does learning how to fight uh, instill that confidence, but taking a beating and being able to walk away from it shows yeah. you a little bit more of what you're made of. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I, and that's another thing, you know, with the young boys, they don't know what the hell they're made of. And that's why we go out and I mean, shit, I was stealing cars at 16 so I could drive to the pool hall and fight 26 year olds. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm stealing a car to go play pool. You know, I did that shit. And, you know, my boys now, you know, I've got three of them now out of the house. I've got one leaving the house next year. He's joining the military. Good. And every single one of them is a fighter. 
every single one of them, you know, my oldest wrestled, uh, my uh, second oldest brawled, and then my two, the one that just left and the one who's getting ready to leave, all they did was fight with each other. I mean, it wasn't a day that went by when we, I just told them, like, no, 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 sit back down, sit back down. Just, yeah. You can hear them beating the shit out of each other in there. I, I put this out on a, on a tweet very recently. I said, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the future, when I have, when I have uh, my sons and my wife runs in, that, in, in the room and says, Tristan, Tristan, the boys are fighting. My first question is going to be, well, how's their footwork? that's going to be my first response and that's why you know what and that's why i actually quite like your account i like the stuff you tweet out because a lot of people on twitter uh and i'm I'm saying no names i'm not looking to start any beef with anyone a lot of people on twitter they talk about things that they don't understand Um, a lot of guys talk about fighting when they don't understand a lot of guys for me the big one is women a lot of guys talk about women uh dating multiple women in the playboy lifestyle again uh the people who tweet this don't understand your account is beautiful because you, t- you talk about family, uh, fatherhood, how to raise sons, et cetera. And that's exactly you know, who you are. So I, I do like reading your account because I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm learning some useful things that are going to apply to me in the future. So, I mean, I don't know jack shit about something, so I'm not going to talk about it. It's, hmm. More people should take that advice. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, you think the same, but in the martial arts world, you have uh, what you would call a McDojo. I don't know if you ever heard of this term, uh, like McDonald's franchise, but it's a dojo where people learn to fight, where some loser who can't fight is running a martial arts school. And they do uh, this for a reason, because I understand the feeling. When I was the British champion, I would take over classes when my instructor was away. And there's nothing like having a room of 30 dudes who know that you're tough as fuck and you're telling them what to do and you know, teaching them how to fight. And that's a very good feeling uh, that you get. Uh, which is why you have a lot of bullshit phony martial arts instructors. Now, in the Twitter world, it's exactly the same thing. Uh, people talk tough on Twitter. Again, my main gripe is with people who talk game and how to get women because I look at them, I'm, I'm, I, I, they just don't know shit. But I, I imagine that is a, it is a very nice feeling to get all these young men admiring you, saying, oh, yeah, you could teach me how to get girls and you're the guy who knows whether or not they actually know anything, I do understand why they like it. So, uh, you know, I, I try not to come at the, the, the fakers too much, but um, every once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll put, some, put some tweets out and people know who I'm talking about. Yeah, it, it's weird. But, you know, the McDojo thing, I've never heard that particular term, but it yeah. reminds me of, uh, you know, I'm a year, I'm two years older than you and yeah. a year younger than your, or about half a year younger than your brother. Yeah. But I remember when you and I were younger, uh, there was an old TV show, and you probably remember it. That was uh, Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. Yep, I, I remember it, yeah. yeah. And, there, and after that show ran for a few seasons, uh, you started seeing like Kung Fu schools open up, and it was always some old fucking white dude or some middle-aged white dude with a beer gut who was teaching like dim mock, like you poke exactly, them in the yeah. right here and they fall down. That's, that's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, that kind of shit. And uh, now it's a fucking parody. You know, one of the things that equalized all that fake-ass horse shit, you know, the, uh, uh, the fake kung fu schools and yeah. whatever. Now, yeah, kung fu is a legitimate martial art, and if you're yeah. actually in a kung it fu is. school, you can, yeah. you can kick someone's ass, but these fake ones that came out like now it's a parody you've got like master ken who yeah. you know you know the big and, joke. yeah the big joke and they're making fun of that shit but that was a legitimate thing and before the ufc 
Yeah, before the UFC, and you know, jujitsu equalized all that shit. Yeah. You can grapple. You if you can grapple and you've got a decent strike, you're pretty much okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of I mean, loads of there were loads of bullshitters around in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s. But you know what? I'm going to take a second to give you an argument you perhaps haven't heard. I'm going to defend the likes of I don't know people like. Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris, I'm going to defend them for half a second. Hear me out. Because everyone, you know, now every day, everybody's a know-it-all. Everyone's got the internet. Everybody's got YouTube. Everyone's, everyone's done a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a bit of boxing. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, just take him down. Look, look, they're watching these old movies, calling it all bullshit. And as much as it may not be that useful today, I am telling you right now, in 1981, when nobody knew shit and there was no UFC and there was no Brazilian jiu-jitsu because the Brazilians were still living in mud huts and they didn't have the internet yet or whatever, you know, no one had the internet yet. I will tell you right now, the average man who didn't know how to fight, if they encountered Steven Seagal in a bar, they were going to get their ass kicked. He's a six foot four, 230 pound dude who knows how to punch and kick. Yeah, the Aikido is bullshit. Okay, we get that. But he would have whooped someone's ass. Chuck Norris would have kicked some motherfucker in his face back in the 70s. And nowadays, these young kids watch Walker, Texas Ranger, but oh, that's stupid. I just do some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, but in his day, no one knew Brazilian jiu-jitsu in 1978. And Chuck Norris would have punched the fuck out of someone. So I, I do defend the old school movie stars a little bit, because certainly for their time, they were so tougher than the average man by far. So, well, well just in physical fit. fitness alone, they wouldn't have gotten gassed in the first three minutes. Uh-huh, exactly. You know. The average dad in the 80s was chain smoking cigarettes in between exactly. his teeth like this right here, you know, talking about his fucking lawnmower. Yeah, exactly. And, and so he would have gotten his ass kicked. But, you know, going back to what we were talking about, that same, you know, pseudo expert culture has just kind of transferred over into the social media world. Now you have experts massively. in everything. Yeah, massively. You know, and which is, which it, it, it's funny to watch. But like you said, I understand why. You know, they yeah, get the power of jollies off of yeah. feeling like some type of an authority. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it must it must be pleasant. I mean, there are dudes who, who speak on stages at events. Um, as I said, like if I were talking about, I don't know, how to raise a good family and how to raise your sons, I don't have a son yet. You'd, you'd think, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Obviously. But, you know, with my following, I could probably get lots of people to listen to me, even though I don't know shit. So with, with, with me, certainly, I mean, working in the industry I worked in, uh, having the, the, uh, the, the webcam studio and all these beautiful women under my control working for me, there are loads of them were my girlfriend at the same time. My major problem with Twitter is the guys who talk about women. Um, because, you know, I mean, there are smart guys out there who you have a wife and, you know, they have a happy life and they talk about that and how to have, run a good marriage, et cetera. But when people are talking, you know, pick up, game, the multiple women harem game. I look, I read their tweets and I think this guy hasn't got a fucking clue what he's talking about. Cause that's what me and my brother do know about uh, very, very well. So, but the thing is with Twitter is it is all talk. That's what Twitter is. Twitter is 140 characters per tweet words only, maybe a picture of your feeling. If you're feeling generous, it is all talk. So you could be anonymous and you could post a few, uh, a few tweets about that people think are smart and people are like, Oh wow, this guy really knows his shit. I'm sure if you were to analyze the ins and outs of that guy's life, he, a lot of them don't know anything. Right. Now, you know, I didn't ask your brother about this, but you made your first million in the cam girl yep. industry. Absolutely. Uh, what 
prompted you to even try to get into that? That's not something that just like, you know what? And, and when you take your little aptitude test in high school, that's not the thing that, yeah. oh, you know what? I'll be, I, I scored high as an electrician. I scored high as a plumber. And I also yeah. scored high as a porn mogul. So yeah. these exactly. are my three options. So well, how did that even come about for you guys? You know what? It, my brother and I, we, we had our ups and downs in life up until I was about 26 and he was 27 when we, well, maybe 25 and 26, when we started in this industry, we had our ups and downs. We had times where we were making good money, times when we were flat broke and our electricity was getting turned off. Uh, this was our first taste of consistent real money. And it was about two years after, uh, not when I made my first million in terms of net worth, when I first checked my bank and had a million in cash two years later. And it was actually an idea of my brothers because we were listing, trying to find a way to make money. And we were listing all of our assets. So we're tall, we know how to fight. Um, I don't know, we're good salesmen. We were trying to work out what we're good at. And we realized each one of us had three or four beautiful girlfriends, which is why I, I take it very personally when I get insulted on Twitter because I get all sorts of insults. And they say, oh, girls like you because you have money. And I quickly come back and say, no, 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 I have money because girls like me because I was flat broke uh, with, a, with a plethora of beautiful women. Uh, I pitched all my girlfriends this idea. Andrew pitched all his girlfriends this idea. Two of them refused to work for me. I, I dumped them immediately. Two of them wanted to work for me. Um, and you know, through, with every business, this isn't a life hack. This isn't, oh, start a webcam studio, you'll be rich. With every business, there is an insane amount of competition. Uh, there is uh, strategy, there is technique, uh, it took us a, a year or two to really finesse the system, but we got to the point where each model that we had could make us $20,000 a month profit for us. You know, look at, I mean, just simply look at my Instagram and look at the girls I'm standing with and do the math. It's very easy to see why, you know, me and Andrew are, are as wealthy as we are. Um, but yeah, it was his idea. We were listing our assets and we realized that beautiful women were, were much more of an asset than we, we thought originally. We were spending money taking girls out on dates, you know, buying them dinner to, to, to end up fucking the girls. That was obviously the, the end game. But we realized you could flip reverse the system if you were smart enough. And if you, if you were sharp enough and if you were charming enough to have the girls actually make your money with you or for you. Uh, so I give my credit to my brother to, to that, um, certainly. Now, in terms of the webcam industry, I'm much more involved than my brother. I run more girls than my brother. Um, you know, I've spoken to Stefan Molyneux, Russia Today, Rolo Tomasi, all these people talk to me about the webcam industry and I'm happy to talk about it even further. But the, the one thing I will say about it is I am exceptionally proud of myself. People say, oh, don't you think what you're doing is wrong or bad or this or that? I don't care what anyone's moral standpoint on the industry is. Nobody understands it like I do. I look at how much money my girls are making. I have girls who work for me who are 21, who are homeowners. Uh, they have a body count of one or two. They're very good girls. Uh, me, myself, I've enriched myself personally. We've got this amazing fleet of cars, this million dollar house I'm inside right now. I'm smoking a $50 cigar, just having a conversation on a, uh, what is it, a, a Tuesday afternoon uh, at my office, which is in my home. I am very proud of myself and I, I apologize zero uh, for, for being in this industry and being a part of it. And I, I never will. Oh, I mean, I think it was interesting. I saw you tweet a while back you had actually denounced porn as poisonous. Yes, and absolutely. Tweet. And no. I'm of the same mindset, uh, you know, but again. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, this is Nate from Unlimited Life Concepts, and we teach people how cash flow strategy can be just as powerful as investing. Imagine being able to earn interest off of every dollar that flows through your hands, whether you're spending it or saving it. We offer a lifetime membership to our financial education platform for $77, but right now you can use promo code RUGGEDLEGACY and save 50% off. With Go Hunt America, you can experience your own outdoor adventure at the touch of your finger. You can find hunting, fishing, and camping spots anywhere in the U.S., put there by private landowners, and you can even list your own. It doesn't matter if it's a large tract of land or a small duck blind. Just go to GoHuntAmerica.com to get started. Coming soon to the Google Play and Apple App Store. I'm not inclined or I don't suggest that all of my guests on the show are all inclined to agree with the standpoints of myself or my guests. This is yes. just an interesting conversation. Absolutely. With two guys, but it's, how do you come to that disconnect? I'm just curious. How do you come well, to that disconnect where you know what it is? And man, is that something you struggled with internally for any, any amount of time or I mean, no, I'm asking for a, a purely objective standpoint. Yeah. Well, it's like this, a lot of people on the internet who have uh, struggled with porn uh, and given up porn themselves, they, they or you know, or they have an opinion on porn. They talk about, you know, why you should quit porn, why porn is toxic. I am a unique individual when I speak about this because I'm very much the heroin dealer who's never touched his own supply, who walks down the streets and sees all the people overdosing with their needles next to him. I'm on the inside. So my perspective was formed in a very different way. Um, I don't think that any man thinking that interaction between males and females being digital is, is healthy in any respect. I mean, we've been around for hundreds of thousands of years. This is a very, very new phenomenon. And I have seen it personally destroy people. I have seen it destroy people. When I first started in this business, there was a guy whose grandmother had recently died and they were waiting to sell his grandmother's house. And he promised a model who worked for me that as soon as he gets his 20,000 pounds, it was 20,000 British pounds, he's going to send 10,000 to her as a gift. And then he's going to stay in private calls with her all you know, year and make them fall in love because he couldn't wait to meet her. She was never going to meet him. That's a, that's a trick. And I called the guy personally. I said, hello. Now, I don't want you to get embarrassed and hang up the phone, but my name is Tristan Tate. I operate a, a webcam studio out here in, in Bucharest, Romania. Do not spend your grandmother's fucking money on a webcam girl. Don't do it. And that was when I was very new to the industry, and I didn't quite understand the, the mindset of an addict. Uh, because some of these men, yeah, sure, some guys use porn in a healthy way. I don't dispute that. But, and some people are, are functioning cocaine uh, sniffers or whatever it is they are, but I still wouldn't recommend cocaine, if, if you know what I mean. So I've seen it on every uh, spectrum. So I told this guy not to spend his grandmother's money, and he actually thanked me. He thanked me, hung up the phone, and I'd never saw him again until six weeks later. I had hired a new model. She wasn't British. She was from Lithuania, and she was working at my studio in a different room. This motherfucker calls this girl. I see his face on my screen. I spit my drink out. I was drinking a whiskey or something at the time. I spit my drink out. I think, what is this guy doing? Why is he back? 
So he's talking to this Lithuanian model, trying to impress her, saying, yeah, this English model was trying to scam me, but I worked her out. And, uh, and uh, you know, I looked at the managers, I looked at the people behind the scenes, because it's not just a girl on a camera, there's an office of people behind the scenes watching this shit. I looked at them, I said, you know what, clean this motherfucker out. Take him for everything he's got. And I've never felt sorry for a single guy who I've seen addicted to this ever since, because I tried to be the good guy. But it's the equivalence of running a bar, and some people come in and drink your drinks and go home and use it in a healthy way. And you can have that one guy who comes in every night and orders 20 vodkas and slams them back and stumbles out the door. And you feel bad for him. If you close your bar or you kick him out, he's going to a different bar. People, I think, have this personal responsibility to, to handle their addictions and their vices and their weaknesses. And that's not my job. Uh, if, you, if you run a restaurant that sells wine, you could be responsible for an alcoholic indulging himself. Um, but I'm very much against porn because I see young men who don't know how to talk to women because sex has become so digitalized. They message the girls in school on Facebook. There is no face-to-face -face approaching or interaction. They fall head over heels in love with these girls who don't give a fuck about them. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very dangerous. The fact that uh, young men can name more porn stars than politicians actually breaks my heart because I've seen the infatuation they have for these girls firsthand. A guy will tell you, oh, I watch porn, but he'll never say, oh, I really love this porn star or this webcam model, and I send her messages every day, and I send her tribute payments. They don't admit that, but believe me, they do, because this fucking house was paid for by these tribute payments. This cigar, my Lamborghini, my Aston Martin, all my cars were paid for by these people, and it's a prolific problem that I've seen. So uh, that's why I'm against uh, pornography. And I obviously don't use it personally. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, way of looking at it. I, I don't think I would have considered that myself having not spoken with you. Yeah. But it makes sense. I mean, yeah, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, here own bars and, you know, run businesses that or restaurants that sell alcohol. Yeah. And we always, you know, we're, we're in a society now where, personal responsibilities being thrown out the window, but that's what it boils down to. Yes. So I, I, I do see that point. Um, yeah. I'm not, you know, if I'm selling beer at a festival, I'm not responsible for the guy beating the shit out of his wife that night because he got hammered. You're not. Exactly. You're not. And uh, how far do you take it? When people say, are you ever, do you ever consider getting out of the industry because of these reasons? They always say you're exploiting people, but what they, what they think they mean is that I'm exploiting the models. Every one of my models, you know, I'd be happy to, I, Vice News are coming over to talk to me in a couple months, uh, and I'm happy for them to talk to my models. These are young women making $25,000 a month, big smiles on their faces, all the latest handbags, they're buying homes, houses, cars. They love their job. They have a body count of, of that, you know, of very, very, very low, because all they do is work and hang out with me. That's it. Men can't take them on dates. They don't like men because they see men as pathetic. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's exploitation, certainly, of the customer, uh, you know, hanging the carrot in front of the camel, and he's never going to get it. That's the exploitation. Uh, the women are very happy. Very happy. Yeah, and I suppose a lot of it comes from the horror stories that we've heard of uh, the industry, where there's a lot of women who were intentionally addicted to drugs. Yes, absolutely. And just so they, you know, they could only get their fix from the producer and yeah. they had to perform on camera to do that. And, um, you know, that's, that's a very sad uh, state of affairs. And, and 
with, with a lot of industries that exists, um, strip clubs, porn is very different from webcam. People are very happy to pair them together. And if a girl has an OnlyFans account, she's a porn star. No, porn is very different. I don't think there's anything healthy about a woman uh, having five or six new sexual partners every week. I think that's very damaging to, to the female psyche and the female mindset. Uh, certainly, to me, it lowers her value uh, in, indefinitely uh, in, in, in the terms that I'd never consider a serious relationship with a girl who's partaken in, in those kind of activities. Porn and webcamming are, are two very different things. Um, and in the porn industry, there are a lot of drugs. There, are a lot, there is a lot of exploitation. Girls are kind of tricked into doing things that they're not comfortable doing, and it does destroy people. Webcamming, if a girl doesn't like it after the first week, she just says, ah, nah, I quit. It goes back to being a waitress or whatever. Uh, I've never seen webcamming emotionally damage anyone besides the customers of which I've seen endless, countless. And it's generally those that are like you had talked about previously with that one customer, you know, the addicts. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, absolutely. I, can, I can see it, you know, objectively from that side where, you know, I have a 12 year old bottle of scotch in here. Yeah. It's completely on me whether or not I get hooked on it. It's where exactly. I need it and I've got the shakes, yep. you know, because I haven't had a drink. And it, it does come down to that personal responsibility. So, yeah. And no one's calling up Mr. Jack Daniels over in Tennessee and calling him a, I don't know, pimp or an exploiter or, you know. But people throw these insults at me all the time, but insults don't bother me, Jeff. Like, why would they? I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy and I'm, I'm perfectly content in what I'm doing and I'm perfectly happy with myself. But yeah, that is how me and Andrew made our first uh, million dollars. Um, obviously, our business portfolio has expanded massively since then. Um, I, I've got 13 casinos now opening up in and around uh, Bucharest. Uh, everything's going amazingly for us. But if, if, if it were not for webcam, I wouldn't say I wouldn't be successful, but I don't know where I'd be today if we hadn't started the webcam studio. I don't know where I'd be. Yeah, I can, I can see that. You know, a lot of the choices we make when we're younger, uh, we have no idea the amount of ripples that they're going to cause. Exactly. And maybe you and Andrew wouldn't have been sitting down to list your assets of what you were good at had you not started fighting. Exactly. Exactly. Again, maybe you, you know, obviously you wouldn't have 13 casinos had you not got into the webcam industry. And um, I wouldn't have had so many pretty girlfriends if I wasn't a fighter either. So opening a webcam studio would have probably been impossible because uh, right. it's, it's very difficult. It, it is a very difficult business to run. I mean, a lot of people have one pretty girlfriend and they think that she's a handful. Uh, this house, before I bought it, I used to rent this house and use it as one of my four buildings. Uh, this house has eight bedrooms. I had 10 girls living here. The atmosphere in here, man, you could cut it with a knife some nights. These girls are making money. They're rich, but one girl uses the other girl's makeup wipe and they're screaming at each other. It's a, it's a very difficult business to run. People imagine me sitting in the hot tub surrounded by beautiful women, you know, cash and checks every day. It's not that simple. You know, you're behind the desk. You're looking at spreadsheets. Uh, you're coaching. You're setting up lighting rigs. Yeah, very difficult business to run. Yeah. Now, uh, another thing you and your brother have been doing is uh, the war room mm. and you guys are kind of close-chested, you know, kind of close up about that a little bit yeah. uh, as far as what goes on inside. But what can you tell listeners uh, about the war room? Well, the war room originally started as a space uh, in fear of all the bans that were happening on um, 
Twitter, you know, accounts getting deleted. The war room originally started as a space for my brother to speak freely. Uh, he had a lot of followers. He had a lot of listeners. Um, and that's how it originally began, uh, where he could speak freely about things. And it turned into somehow the greatest business network that I've certainly ever been a part of. Uh, I mean, I don't hire or work with people outside of the war room, and I haven't for a year. Anything I need, uh, there's a guy in the war room who can, who can facilitate, whether I'm buying property, whether some guy wants to inv in invest in a casino. Some war room members co-own these casinos with me. Um, we have uh, an amazing network of people, but the, the war room is essentially this. It is a team of elite people trying to drag other people up the hard way. We're not like a lot of membership groups where we really give a fuck about the membership fees. The value in the war room to us um, is not from the membership fees, it's from the members themselves. Uh, for example, like I said, five, six of these casinos are owned by war room members. Uh, that's investment money. And I wouldn't have been able to open so many without the war room. Uh, we're talking half a million dollars cash worth of investment uh, from just working within a, a closely tight network. So the war room is, it's, it's my brother's brainchild. I'm very much a member of the war room. I don't like to be called a, a founder of the war room. I'm, I'm one of the original members, um, but it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I'm in the war room for one reason and one reason only. I know that a lot of young men wish to live a life like mine. I'm not saying every man should want to live a life like mine. I'm not the archetype for men, but I know a lot of young boys, if you were to ask them, look, you know, how do you want to be living when you turn 30? They say, I want a big house, a fast car, and some beautiful women. That's the dream of a lot of young dudes, uh, you know, age 16 to even mid 20s. Now, that's where I come in inside of the war room because I can certainly, certainly assist these men and steer them in the right direction for the, for the dream that they want to live and the path that they want to live on. But ignoring me, we have, you know, great fathers, great family figures, uh, people inside the war room that can steer any man in any direction. So it's, uh, yeah, it really is something something quite unique. Um, but there's going to be a lot more about the war room coming out very soon. As I said, Vice News are coming to do a piece on the war room, positive or negative. We don't care if it's a hit piece because we're very proud of what we do and we're, we're very proud of who we are. And we've got a big event happening in Romania that is a mental, psychological, and physical test of men who either pass or fail. And uh, I can't tell you anything more about the test because my brother would be pissed. But uh, yeah, the war room is an amazing thing. But I'm very much a member of the war room. I'm speaking as a member. The war room is, you know, it's not something I own or something I run. I'm just involved uh, very heavily. Gotcha. So your brother had mentioned that same thing uh, when I had him on the show, uh, that he doesn't suggest his life for everyone. No, it's you not know, for everyone. Yeah, he had even, you know, had said it as far as me, you know, if, if he had to had come to me and said, you can live a life exactly like mine, but you have to sacrifice, you know, all the time you have with your wife and your kids and your family. Exactly. Hey, you'd say no. Would, yeah, I would say no. Oh, and exactly. I would. But it sounds to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds to me like the war room itself can lead to that kind of lifestyle or at least the ability to live that kind of lifestyle through means other than you know with the webcam injury casinos and things like that yes. because there's more than just that uh, as far as a Must path be. that can get you to where you know you guys are financially yeah uh, it, it, it sounds to me like it's more of a mastermind group 
of business acumen uh, for any type of business. Anytime I get advice from the war room, I, I get uh, advice and some of the guys who help run, run the war room. One is a uh, magician and master hypnotist. Uh, one of them is a, a, is a commercial airline pilot. These are guys we call war room generals, uh, guys who very, help us uh, very much with the day-to-day uh, running uh, of, of the thing. And man, I've met some amazing, inspirational people. Uh, and when I throw events together, sometimes my mind is blown. We threw an event recently in, um, in uh, LA, obviously. I mean, Mike Cernovich was, was there doing uh, his podcast, et cetera. He came to hang out. Ron Jeremy showed up. Like, God knows why. I've never met Ron Jeremy personally. Like, I throw these war room events. And I'm like, Jesus, I look at the people around the table, around the room. And I just think, it, I think it's absolutely incredible that uh, even for me, let alone the, the young guy who's coming up in the world, that he can sit at a table with, you know, me, Ivan Throne, Mike Cernovich, and just smoke cigars, you know, talk shit, talk business, talk life, talk women, talk girls, talk struggles. And I, I think I've seen it really help a lot of men uh, and change a lot of men's lives for the better. So, yeah, I think Andrew should be very proud of his, uh, his project. But it's the quality of the people, not just myself and my brother, the quality of the members in the war room that really make the group itself. Because if someone's an asshole, we'll kick them out. I don't care if they renew their membership fee. I don't need their membership fee. So we, we, we kick the losers out. We kick the non-hackers out. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible organization. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. You know, <clears throat> between your brother and yourself you guys are the only two millionaires that i know personally <laughs> all right Fair enough. i i will say this there's a misconception and a line drawn about people who rise to the level that you guys rise now it might not be the same for everyone i mean you guys obviously had to get there under your own metal you know? yeah but and this is not me trying to kiss your ass because you know but Andrew and yourself are two of the most genuine people that I've seen online that will go out of their way to help someone, no matter what kind of life that they're wanting to live and come from or go to, get there. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of selfishness in the world. And I remember being a, a young man myself and you know, I would hang around, especially through the kickboxing world, uh, a lot of people with money, a lot of very financially successful dudes. Um, and I think the attitude that I had in trying to learn something from them, as opposed to trying to get something from them, uh, is something that I like to teach people. So when people reach out to me, if someone reaches out to me and says, hi, send me $500, I was like, oh, fuck yourself. Why are you asking me for money? I don't know you. But, you know, when, when someone actually has the same approach that I have. And they're, they're reaching out and saying, Hey, Tristan, you know, uh, talisman, my, my girlfriend just broke up with me. You know, how do I get over a, a breakup? How do I do this? You know, I have a lot of free time in my day nowadays. I really do. So I, I feel it's my duty. Almost. I learned so much from so many great men. Uh, my, my father and his friends, various chess masters, uh, people who, you know, uh, people who are arch criminals who run massive kickboxing shows in Russia. I've learned so much from so many great men that helped me become who I am. Uh, I just, you know, it's not that it's my duty. I genuinely enjoy it. I genuinely enjoy it. And I don't like to see the dream uh, crushed out of people by shit that maybe their parents will say or people that shit their teachers will say, oh, don't, you know, look at Tristan's Instagram. Oh, you're not going to grow up to be like him. 
that guy's just some spoiled rich kid, blah, blah, blah. Forget that. Get a job. Go to, you know, whatever they tell them. I don't like to see the dream kicked out of people. So I like to let everyone know that it is uh, possible. If you wish to live a life like mine, if you wish to be financially successful, if you wish to be anything you want, uh, it is possible. So I, I just try to, to let young men know that. I'm, I'm getting older myself now, so I feel a bit, um, I don't know, honored. I think honored is the word to, to be in the position that I'm in. Yeah. So do you think that's because of uh, at one time you were the underdog? That's why oh, you yeah. root for the underdog? Oh, well, yeah. That's, no, that's kind of the thing for all of us, though. I mean, men in general, we, we love watching the fucking movies like Cinderella Man or Rudy or Rocky. It's always yeah. the underdog, scrappy from no fucksville, you yeah. know, who were like, I want him to get it because we see ourselves in that. And then when yeah. we get to where we are now, like one of my greatest joys uh, is coaching uh, young men and helping young men. Um, I've been a member of the Fraternity of Excellence with Zach Small for over yep. a year now, and I've learned from men much more successful than me uh, with much more uh, skills and capabilities and experience than me. And then I get a DM from a young man uh, who's telling me, you know, my life is pretty much over because my wife cheated on me or my life is uh, going nowhere because I, I'm poor and I just can't you know, figure out a way to come up in the world. And I've been that guy. I've been homeless. I mean, your brother and I talked about what it was like for me and, and him as well. He said he still does this. Uh, when I was living in a hotel with my wife and my children and they slept on the beds, I slept on the floor and I would put my wallet, my watch and my hotel keys in one shoe so that I know it w where it was the next morning. And Andrew said he still does that with his watch. Yeah. He still puts his watch in his shoe because he grew up never knowing what it was like to own a watch. <laughs> and, yeah, so I, and so I see, I, I, I see myself, and I, I, I think you do too. You see yourself in these young guys who are just hungry, but don't have any way of uh, figuring out how to get there. And so we feel that we have to reach out and we have to contribute and we have to help in any way that we can. Yeah, because I, I think uh, struggle and hardship, uh, it builds character. Um, I don't regret anything that's gone wrong in my life ever because, you know, where I am today is a very comfortable place. And I think that all the hardships that I've suffered through have contrib you know, contributed to my success. So when I see a guy uh, struggling or, you know, hungry or, or dealing with hardship, I just want him to steer it in the right direction, if that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not his dad. It's not my job. What ends up, you know, what happening to him ultimately has nothing to do with me and doesn't affect my life. But I just feel like when I get the, the messages, it, a, a lot of the time from war room members, you know, uh, saying, oh, talisman, you know, you told me how to deal with a breakup and blah, blah, blah. You're a fucking genius. This has worked out fine. I've got two, I've got a, a more beautiful girlfriend. My ex is asking for me back. When I get those kind of messages, it, it, it does make me smile because I like to, I like to feel as a man, certainly, who's uh, certainly um, stigmatized as being a negative uh, person in the world from the business I run to the attitude I have, um, I, I like to know that I'm, I'm putting a lot of positivity out there and, and steering young men in the right direction. So, um, yeah, and, and for anyone listening, watching, uh, Talisman Tate is my Instagram. I try to reply to all my DMs. I get all sorts of messages for advice all the time. I'm happy to talk to anyone. So it's an open offer. I like that. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people 
a lot of people don't see that balance, especially if anything they do or say or the way they live their life um, gets portrayed in a negative light. You know, for example, like you just said with, you know, the industry that you run. Yep. It's easy to stereotype people like you. And, you know, I've gotten death threats and all this other crap because I say, you know, a husband should lead his wife or I yep. say a man should be the patriarch of his family. Hell, I have a book called that, you know. But in all reality, all we want is for people who aren't where they want to be is for them to get there. Yeah, and I, th I think fulfillment is a very difficult thing to find as a man. Uh, it's getting much, much more difficult in today's world, um, especially with the dig digital age. And, and that's one of the reasons, uh, again, I'm going to get back to it. That's one of the reasons why I am against uh, young men, especially indulging in pornography, webcam models, things like that, because there's no fulfillment there. There, there really isn't any long-term fulfillment that is going to make anyone's life better at the end of that dark tunnel. So I'm in the position where even though I make my money from it, I know the industry is large enough that if I convince a young man not to watch webcam girls anymore, I'm still going to be making my three, $4 million a year from it. Like it doesn't affect me, but uh, I, I'm using the knowledge even as the, 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 the bad guy, let's say, to, uh, yeah, make the world a slightly better place. I like that. I think it's a good place to wrap it up too, man. No, yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. No, <laughs> Jeff, it's been an absolute honor talking to you. Um, if you want to find me on uh, Twitter, Liv's Talisman is my Twitter. Um, I do do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, anything, uh, girls, dating, relationships, the Playboy lifestyle is something that I live. Maybe it's not something that, everybody aspires to, but believe me when I say there's no one on Twitter who knows this better than me. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Talisman Tate, uh, and all of uh, the war room and everything related to that is available at my brother's website, cobratate.com. Plugs all over. All right. Yes. I was going to ask you to plug it, but there we go. Yep. Yep. Yourself. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeff. And, and have a pleasant day. Enjoy the rest of your uh, pipe. I'm going to go back out to my girl's waiting by the pool and uh, enjoy the rest of my day. It's my birthday tomorrow. So yeah, life's good. Looking up. I might even have a drink. So <laughs> you're going to have to drop that Jack Daniels and grab some McAllen brother. Yeah. Well, I, I've got some, this was actually a gift given to me. It's a, it's a, some sort of special edition Jack Daniels, but I'm a Johnny Walker man myself. I For me, you. Johnny, Johnny Walker black label is my standard everyday drinking whiskey blue label. If I feel like celebrating. So <laughs> that's me. All right. All right. Great well, talking to you, Jeff. Great talking to you. Big soon. Uh, Bye. For, for, uh, for you guys listening, this has been Jeff and Tristan Tate. Uh, be sure to check out our sponsors and be sure to check out uh, Tristan and his brother Andrew on Twitter and Instagram. You can find uh, him at Liv's Talisman on, or Liv's Talisman on Twitter, Twitter, Talisman Tate on Instagram. His brother is at of Wudan on Twitter. Yep. And I'm not sure of his Instagram. What was that? Cobra Tate. Cobra Tate. Cobra Tate on Instagram. Tate on Instagram. This has been another episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. You guys take it easy. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash rugged legacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes. 
but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.